You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Some wins are bigger than others. With that, welcome into finally another happy post-game episode of Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on all things Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. The Rockets snapped their four-game losing streak on Friday night in Brooklyn, winning 119-111 to against the Nets. It wasn't a pretty game. The Rockets were down by as much as 14 in the first half. It had a certain here-we-go-again feel again, but led by Chris Paul, who had 32 points and 11 assists, and Carmelo Anthony, an astounding 28 points in 31 minutes off the bench on 75% shooting. The Rockets found a way to flip the game, also flipped the switch on defense midway through. Rockets allowing 45 points from about the three-minute mark in the first half to two minutes left in the game. And that, in combination with hot shooting with Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony, was allowed the Rockets to turn this game. Kudos to Clint Capella, who had 22-13, and and P.J. Tucker, who played a game-high 39 minutes and had 11 boards, also had a team-best plus 21 in the plus-minus for busting his butt and leading the Rockets to that spark and helping them flip the switch midway through the game. Now, we'll talk more about the individuals as we make our way through the three points recap, but I think in our first segment, we need to discuss how big of a win this is for the Rockets as a team. It's the last game without James Harden, who will return, barring an unexpected setback on Saturday night in Chicago. The only reason he didn't play Friday, he was cleared. It's just a matter of the Rockets don't want to rush the MVP of the league back and immediately insert him into a road back-to-back and... They won't get into Chicago until about midnight local time, thanks to the game on Friday night in Brooklyn. So because of the travel time, the lack of sleep, the two games in barely over 24 hours, it didn't make sense, even though Harden was cleared, to play him on both ends of this back-to-back. But nonetheless, when you start 1-5 and five and you don't have the MVP, I don't care who you're playing. And by the way, the Nets, they're now 3-6, and six, Rockets with the win, improving to 2-5. and five. But the Nets entered the game at 3-5, and five, and they had looked scrappy. They had pushed the Warriors, only lost by about 5 earlier in the week. It's a team with a lot of talent. They started off shooting the ball very well. Even though they cooled off a little in the second half, they still shot better than 44% from behind the arc. There's some talent. For the Rockets to be able to turn it in the middle of the game, that is so, so impressive. Because the biggest fear for the Rockets, and I've outlined this in the off days since that last game, the 104-85 loss on Tuesday at home against Portland, in which they look lifeless, the biggest fear is not any individual Because the guys who turned it around, we mentioned Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony, should also throw a shout-out to Eric Gordon, who had 21 points in 35 minutes, 6-14 from the field. He was just 2-8 of from 3, so he didn't improve on his 23% showing from behind the arc much, but this was about the most spry, the most active we've seen Eric Gordon look in some time. So generally, you needed your veterans to step up when you need to snap a losing streak, and that's what happened, so we shouldn't forget Eric's contributions as well. But generally speaking, what's so impressive to me is the collective will from the Rockets, and we had not seen that enough this year. And yes, it should be noted, the first six games of the year in which they started 1-5, all of the opponents were tougher than the 3-5 Brooklyn Nets. Now, I know the Nets at home on a Friday night, they were lively, but look, it's not the same degree of competition. I understand that. At the same time, when you're in a funk like 
But what the Rockets have been in, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It's difficult, and we saw that in the first half when they got off to that 14-point deficit. So to be able to flip the switch the way they did was so impressive because now you do have the reinforcements. You did have James Ennis, who I thought played fairly well in his 19 minutes, but clearly limited his first game back from a grade 2 hamstring strain. Now you get Ennis continuing to work his way back into the lineup. You get James Harden back on Saturday night, the MVP in Chicago. And now all of a sudden you can add to this team that even with the injuries should have enough. And fortunately they did to beat the Brooklyn Nets by eight points, but clearly should never go one and five through a stretch the way they did. It's not all physical when you go through a stretch like that. There's some degree of mental issues. I would say the here we go again effect that played into that. And what really impressed me in this one was the combination of the sense of urgency and the mental toughness. The way they bounced back from a, I would say, a fairly stout early punch from the Nets. Joe Harris made all four of his threes, and when they went up 14, when they were under three minutes to go in the first half with 57 points through barely over 21 game minutes, it felt like that nothing had changed. It felt like the problems were between the years, but that's why you have veterans like Chris Paul. We mentioned his 32-11, well, he shot the ball 27 times. That's an extraordinarily high total for Chris, but you know what? Without James Harden, that's what he needed to do. So he did it. He needed to become a volume shooter because if it wasn't Chris, who was it going to be? P.J. Tucker only shot one time. Oh, he did make it, one three. Played 39 minutes, the most of anyone in the Rockets. Only shot one time. But at the same time, he still provides you so much defense. The Nets didn't leave off him in the corners. You could see the game plan that they designed, especially without James Harden. They weren't going to collapse on drives from Chris Paul and Eric Gordon. They were going to make those guys beat them one-on-one as opposed to let the Rockets get into a groove in terms of their shooters. But P.J. Tucker, even just shooting once, he didn't let it affect his energy on the defensive end at all. Mentioned the game high 39 minutes, but really he was just instrumental down the stretch, locking up whoever he was switched on to. And the big difference, I don't know if the Nets were ever as good as the 57 points in the first 21 minutes might indicate. There was a little bit of hot shooting, I thought, early in the game. Well, the paint defense did need to be changed, but besides outside of the paint defense, I thought the Nets did hit some fairly difficult shots, including a few threes. Mentioned Joe Harris getting hot. But generally speaking, to turn it on a dime, that's one of the hardest things to do in an NBA game which when the momentum gets going. And that's why you have guys like P.J. Tucker and Chris Paul to lead the way. That's what's different from the team three years ago that got off to that bad start in October and November and wasn't able to turn it, ultimately leading to Kevin McHale's dismissal in a 41-41 and season that was seemingly inexplicable. The Rockets have enough talent on the roster. Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, you get James Harden, the MVP, back tomorrow night. They're going to be fine as far as being a good basketball team. Will they be good enough to beat the Warriors? I don't know, but it's one step at a time. At this point, to turn around a 1-5 start, you just need to make sure that things don't spiral. And the presence of guys like Chris Paul and P.J. Tucker, that's what they didn't have three years ago, and that was on full display tonight. I also thought it was a nice display of, I would say, a combination of urgency and adjustments for Mike D'Antoni. There was no garbage time in, in this game, and yet the Rockets played 11 players. Now, the only guys who played significant minutes off the bench, Carmelo played 31 minutes, Gerald Green played 17, Barkey's Chris played three. He wasn't that effective, so they turned to Isaiah Hartenstein as the backup center, played a little bit in the second half, who had eight minutes. Gary Clark played nine minutes. They initially went with Michael Carter-Williams, who played six. That didn't go that well, so they flipped it to Clark. Even in the middle of a game, Mike D'Antoni always gets blasted, it seems like, for playing these rotations of seven or eight guys. 
Well, tonight he played 11 because he knew that even waiting a minute or two for things to turn around as they should wasn't an option. He needed guys that could play. And so if one guy on the bench wasn't working out, he had a quick hook because that's the sense of urgency that the Rockets needed. I also think tactically, Mike D'Antoni, Roy Rogers, that coaching staff on the bench, I won't say they totally abandoned the switching with Clint Capella, but it seemed to go down as the game went along, and I think that helped. Capella ended up with 22 and 13, 8 of 11 from the field, two blocks, also had five assists. We saw some nice passes out of Clint in the pick and roll. Also, by the way, Clint, six of 10 from the line, including three of four at the stripe when they started hack at Capella when the Rockets were up in the closing minutes of the game. That was big. But as far as the Rockets' defense, what turned things from when they gave up 57 points in the first 21-plus minutes to where they gave up just 45 points in the next 25 game minutes? The Rockets were up 111 to 102 with under two minutes to go at the game. And at that point, it was all garbage time. The final was 119 to 111. There's a lot of fouling and effectively the Rockets giving up shots as long as they didn't give up wide open threes or anything too quick. Generally speaking, the Rockets gave up 32 in the first quarter, 29 in the second, 25 in the third, and they gave up 25 in the fourth. But again, the last nine points of the Nets came in garbage time. Generally speaking, the defense got better throughout the game. How did they do that? Well, certainly, you know, the Nets missed some shots that they made earlier and there's normal randomness factors like that. But I also think tactically for the Rockets, they made a couple of adjustments. First, they kept subbing in active bodies, whoever off the bench. You know, is it Chris or is it Hartenstein? Well, fine. You go with whoever is giving you the most energy at a given moment. The same way with Gary Clark and Michael Carter-Williams as far as who's going to fill that last wing spot. But beyond that, I also thought the Rockets did a better job. They didn't completely abandon switching Capella, but you had him more, in my opinion, staying back and protecting the rim. Now, I think for the Rockets to actually beat the Warriors in... Next May, assuming they can get back to the Western Conference Finals, and right now they're 2-5, and five, there's a long way to go, you may need to have Capella switching because of the diversity of playmakers the Warriors have. But it's one step at a time. As Matt Moore said on my podcast here the other day, generally speaking, teams go through at least three iterations of themselves throughout the season. Right now, especially with the injuries and all the adversity, the Rockets are just trying to survive. And early on, with so many new parts, some communication issues defensively, the Rockets don't have the luxury, in my opinion, of abandoning rim protection the way they did last year where they were so non-traditional. Right now, in my opinion, you just need Clint Capella, and he played 37 minutes. An underrated, it, it feel, an underrated thing with Capella this year, it feels like we picked on him a lot. And to some degree, it's warranted because I don't think he's switching as well as he did a year ago. He's not as quick on the perimeter. And that's a part of why the Rockets have not been as good against in their switching scheme as they were a year ago. But Clint has really upped his minutes per game, over 33 now. That's a big step up by far the most of his career. He's barely over 27 a year ago, and that was in year four. So to see Clint give you 37 minutes in a game that you really needed, and not just in the usual way, because, yeah, we know he can switch, or at least he has before the first six games of this year when he struggled, but you wonder, can Clint be the interior anchor when you need him to be? Well, that's what the Rockets tried out tonight, and it worked. He protected the rim. The Nets had so many paint points early, I think 24 of their first 28, and as the game went on, that was closed off. They didn't switch as much from Capella. They used him to protect the rim, and for now, that's a Band-Aid, especially in this road trip in which things are a little bit easier, Brooklyn and Chicago, to ease up to kind of get you back on balanced footing. Now, later on, to beat the best of the best, you may need to go back to that, but the good thing is, A, you have a weaker point in the schedule right now, but B, more importantly, you just need to see something go right. And when you don't have James Harden and it's a layup line for the other team, 
then even if it's not the optimal strategy to beat the Warriors in May, you can't worry about that right now. You just need to do whatever it takes to win this basketball game, to see something go right. That's a quote we heard from Chris Paul the other day. And that's what the Rockets, I would say, up and down the roster, clearly lots of individuals, Chris Paul, P.J. Tucker, Carmelo Anthony, Eric Gordon showed it. But I thought the Rockets collectively and also the coaching staff, I think they showed it as well. They desperately needed this win. I know it's one out of 82, but some are bigger than others. And when you're one in five, that's one of them, especially on the road. Fortunately, the Rockets got it. Now we'll get to see if they can back it up on Saturday night in Chicago, but in a game that will include the return of league MVP James Harden. More on that as we continue to move through our three points recap. So, to continue our recap of Friday night's game, the 119 to 111 win the Rockets had in Brooklyn over the Nets, we spent much of the first segment discussing the Rockets collectively what they did as a team to reverse not just a 1-5 start to the year, but a 57-43 to deficit in Friday night's game. And of course, you had a lot of big shot making by Chris Paul, 32-11, and and Carmelo Anthony, 28 points, 9-12 of from the field. But in addition to that, I think you had some nice tactical changes in terms of leaving Clint Capella as more of a rim protector than what we've seen in the past, in terms of Mike D'Antoni using 11 players and none in garbage time. We saw the Rockets mix and match. It was a game they needed to have. And from a big picture standpoint, that's the story. Look, I know it's just win number two. They're only two and five. But at this point, the Rockets desperately needed to see something go right. Because on paper, they should be fine. It's just a matter of making sure the record doesn't get too debilitating, too daunting, to where all of a sudden the emotional outweighs the logic of what the roster on paper, should be able to produce over the 82-game grind of this regular season. Now, are the Rockets in peak form yet? Are they back? Are they in 65-win juggernaut form? Are they ready to challenge the Warriors? No, absolutely not. But again, you're not going to be able to go from 1-5 woeful getting blown out at home and that 0-4 start at Toyota Center to all of a sudden being that team overnight. It's going to be a process, and this, in my opinion, was the first positive sign we've seen in a while. So I think, collectively, those are the most important things. But individually, there were some really encouraging signs within that 119 to 111 win. The biggest, Chris Paul. I mentioned 32 and 11, 13 of 27 from the field, 5 of 12 from three. He had to be a volume scorer because without James Harden, who's going to be the guy to create his own offense on any sort of regular basis? So, Chris, that's not the player he is normally, but he needed to evolve in the absence of James Harden, and he gave you 37 big minutes and a team high 32 points. But more than that, I know the talk that's been out there, he's had two bad games since coming back from the suspension, the Rajon Rondo incident, and because the sample is so small, he's 33 years old, it's in year 14, he got the big contract, four years, $160 million, $40 million a season, and at some point, father time catches up with everyone. Now, we've heard all the right things from Daryl Morey, the Rockets staff, that that curve should not be as applicable to Chris Paul and James Harden as it is to many other stars because their games are so cerebral-based, not necessarily on athleticism the way, say, a Russell Westbrook is. But at some point, you do want to see results. Now, I'm not going to say that just because he had one game that any of those concerns are gone, just the same way as I said you shouldn't panic over two bad games. And it was just two bad games. Keep in mind, before the suspension, the last game he played, he was brilliant in L.A. against the Lakers, 28-10-7 and on better than 50% shooting from the field. But just as you shouldn't panic over two bad games because of one good game, you also shouldn't say that the concerns are gone. That said, when you have a guy who's been arguably the second or third best point guard in the history of the NBA over his entire NBA career and was as brilliant as we saw all of last season, including just a few months ago in the playoffs, 
at the same time, until we have more than two bad games, I think it's a leap to assume that there's some sudden regression from a guy who, in addition to being that great in the playoffs, led the entire NBA in real plus-minus a year ago. Yes, he was that good. So as frustrating as the last two games were, again, in the first basically one and a half, he was a combined four of 24 from the field. He got it going shooting tonight, but more than that, he looked spry. He beat people off the dribble, and that's not just reflected in the scoring, but also 11 assists, just two turnovers. That great ratio came because he was able to beat people off the dribble, and that's what allowed him to get passes to teammates that were in advantage situations and able to finish because of the separation he was able to get off the dribble. So again, I'm not going to say that based on one game, those concerns are unfounded, but generally speaking, between the game we saw him have tonight, the one we saw him have against the Lakers before the suspension, and what we've seen him do just a few months ago and throughout his entire NBA career, I'm not going to worry. At this point, I consider Chris Paul to still be Chris Paul. By the way, I mentioned P.J. Tucker is plus 21, best in the Rockets. Chris Paul's second best with a plus 20 in those 37 minutes. So until proven otherwise, I'm taking this as peak CP3. And quite frankly, that's the biggest thing for the Rockets because the entire foundation for this era, look, if they're going to contend, Chris Paul has got to be Chris Paul. That's why you're paying him an astounding $40 million a year. Even at age 33, you are still counting on him to be a top 10 player in the league and probably even better than that by the time the playoffs roll around. So for all of this to work out, even if you think that the Rockets can and will trade for Jimmy Butler or anything else that happens down the line to elevate them hopefully back to the tier of the Warriors, it's all predicated on Chris Paul being that secondary guy to James Harden, the Robin to Harden's Batman, and sometimes even more than that, as we saw late in the playoffs a year ago, it's all predicated on Chris Paul being that level of player, being to elevate maybe not every single game over 82 games. He is 33 years old. You have to be reasonable with how you push him. But it's all predicated, this model of the Rockets contending over the next two or three years, on Chris Paul being able to retain the level of play we saw last postseason. And tonight, the Laker game, it needs to be more consistent, certainly. But it's a very positive sign, in my opinion, that Chris Paul still has that in him. I'm not going to say that, based on a sample this small, that the worries are unfounded, that you can completely eliminate them. But for right now, I think you can breathe a lot easier. And in the big picture, that's the most important thing for the Rockets. Because all these things we've talked about, this idea of them being in a contender, the 65-win juggernaut they were a year ago, being able to turn it around, at least on paper, all of that is predicated on Chris Paul being Chris Paul the guy we saw last year that led the league in real plus-minus, that brought home so many playoff games. Well, for one night in Brooklyn, and when the Rockets needed him most, even without James Harden, and that meant there's a lot more focus by the defense paid to Chris Paul, he still delivered. And in terms of the big picture of this Rockets franchise, yes, that's an incredible thing to see. Second storyline, and even more efficient than Chris Paul, mentioned his 32 points on 27 shots. Carmelo Anthony, 28 points in 31 minutes on just 12 shots, made nine of them, six of nine from behind the arc, very nice. Also had a couple of big free throws in the final minute to ice the game. Also actually had a great defensive possession, which I posted on my Twitter timeline, at Ben DuBose, to salt it away. And for Carmelo, there, there were a few things that were different. Now, they did ultimately play him at the three to close out the game. I think at that point they didn't have a choice because P.J. Tucker and Clint Capella are so important to the defense they had to have them out there to close it out, but Carmelo Anthony was so hot, including in the fourth quarter, shooting from behind the arc, that you weren't going to remove him. So again, it's not they never played him at the three, but with the return of James Ennis starting at small forward, it allowed the Rockets to optimize Carmelo's minutes more, and I think that's the key. It's not that you can never play him at the three, especially if he's the hot hand, you're going to play him, especially in the fourth quarter, and there's no James Harden, but generally speaking, 
to hide his defensive deficiencies, which are well-documented at 34 years old and in year 16. You need to play him at the 4 and the 5 rather than at the 3. And with the return of James Ennis and tomorrow night, the return of James Harden, that's what the Rockets are going to be able to do. Now, again, it's not saying he'll never play the 3, but you can do it in small doses here and there, like in the fourth quarter. And also, if you do it in small doses, and also if you're limiting Carmelo to 31 minutes instead of mid to upper 30s, which has happened too often lately, then it's more reasonable to expect Carmelo for two or three small minutes to be, able to, to be able to have maybe a flashback to your eight Carmelo instead of your 16, 34 years old, what he is now. Now, some of it, of course, was hot shooting for Carmelo. I'm not going to say that Carmelo Anthony is fixed and that, you know, he's a third star. It'd be ridiculous to say that after one game, just just the same way I would, would have said yesterday that it's ridiculous to bury him after a couple of bad games, especially with him playing at the three. Again, all of this is sample size. A lot of it comes down to how he's used. Ride the hot hand when he gets it going, and when he's not, well, hopefully the defense isn't that much of a liability because you're playing with the four and the five and maybe not even that many minutes either if he's in that Ryan Anderson role from a year ago. But what I thought this game was, if you listen to the podcast earlier in the week that I had with Matt Moore, the idea that he was told from the folks he spoke to around the Rockets was that that the concept of Carmelo is that even if he's a defensive liability for much of the year, his upside, if he goes out and scores, I think Matt used the, the term 27 points. Well, in this game, it was 28. But if he goes out and does that once in a while, then that upside can steal you a game that you might not otherwise get. And that over the course of the year, especially when you're competing with the Warriors, it's that upside that matters, especially when we're talking about a minimum salary guy. And in my opinion, even though it's the Brooklyn Nets, Friday night was one of those games. Well, the Nets team that, again, shot better than 44% from three, had it going inside early. Look, the Rockets were not going to win this game without James Harden if if not for Carmelo Anthony stepping up. There just was not enough shot making. Now, is this the optimal usage? Are you going to play Carmelo Anthony 31 minutes of regularity? I don't know about that. The defensive deficiencies are real. But this is why you get him. That here or there, and I think Matt's point was very astute, but he laid this out in our podcast earlier in the week. Carmelo is going to give you one of these flashback games to where you can ride him. And even though it didn't come against the Warriors or any team like that tonight, at the same time, because there was no James Harden, all of a sudden that made the task of winning a game on the road against a Nets team that started well and seemed to have it working in front of a raucous home crowd. The Rockets needed someone to step up. And in small doses, Carmelo Anthony can do that. Can he do that every night? Probably not. I think, again, no James Harden. He happened to get a couple of shots going early, and that built some continuity for him. I'm sure he was also inspired playing in New York City, which is where he played for so many years with the Knicks just down the street in Madison Square Garden. I'm sure all those things were factors. But generally speaking, Carmelo Anthony, it's like a lottery ticket. Sometimes, some games from here or there, he's going to be able to give you those flashback performances. And when he does that, that's a dimension that whoever you want to say he's replacing. Ryan Anderson is the most logical, but even if you want to argue that he's taking minutes, that might otherwise go to Trevor Reza or Luke Bamute. None of those guys had the upside to do what Carmelo Anthony did tonight. That's why you bring him in. And even defensively, he was not that much of a liability at the end of the game. So tip your hat to Carmelo. Is it fair to expect the same thing tomorrow? I don't know about that. But for one night, he did exactly what the Rockets brought him in to do. And after a start to the season that's seen him take a lot of abuse from the national media, it's good for the team's collective psyche to win the way they did. And I also think it's good for Carmelo as an individual to get these kind of results and for the coaching staff to feel good about seeing that 
in him to see the results that even though it makes sense on paper that when you use him more optimally than as you're starting three, that the defensive results shouldn't be as poor. We'll actually see it play out on the floor for the first time this season really as well as it did in a win. He had a couple of good games against the Jazz and the Clippers last week, but those were at home. To see Carmelo play this well in a win, it's good to see the Rockets realize that yes, you can win with Carmelo Anthony, even without James Harden. And that's why, while Chris Paul is probably the most important player for the Rockets tonight, just because of the extreme workload he had to take on in the absence of James Harden, Carmelo Anthony was probably their most important variable. Now, Eric Gordon was as well. 21 points, 3 assists, 6 to 14 from the field, 35 minutes. That's a huge step in the right direction for him, even though he shot just 2 of 8 from the field. But again, I think most of us realize that if Eric Gordon didn't get it going, there's not much you can do. He's not even 30 years old. There's a lot of data that says Eric Gordon should be fine. It's just a matter of riding out one of his cold stretches, which unfortunately came at the start of the year. It's not unprecedented. Eric has gone through it before. He should be fine, and other need to make more threes. I thought Friday was a step in the right direction for Eric. But at 29 years old, that's expected. For Carmelo Anthony at 34 years old in year 16, with all the abuse he's taken around the NBA, especially in the past few days, that's more of an open-ended question. And for one night, the Rockets as a team, that's the most important thing, moving to 2-5, and five, snapping the four-game losing streak. For Carmelo individually, huge, important step. And, of course, we'll have to see if the Rockets can build on that in the second game of the back-to-back tomorrow night in Chicago. Now, as we close out the podcast, we'll look forward to tomorrow because, folks, tomorrow, James Harden returns and... Boy, it comes at a much-needed time for the Rockets. Now, he's missed the last three games with a grade 1-plus strain of his left hamstring, which is a little bit alarming. It's the second time in under 12 months that's happened. With his heavy emphasis on deceleration, he needs those hamstrings to be strong. So it is something to monitor. But again, the Rockets, he could have come back tonight. It's just a matter of they don't want to push him immediately with the workload that he takes on into an immediate road back-to-back. But... Assuming he's healthy, the Rockets should be heavy favorites, even on night two of a road back-to-back in Chicago tomorrow. The Bulls are not very good. And in my opinion, these last three games, they build the MVP narrative for James Harden if he gets it going again. Now, will he win it? I don't know. I think there's something to the idea of national voters, I said this before the year, not really being fans of James Harden's style of play. Also, the Rockets obviously need to start winning games at a very high clip again, which through seven games, two and five, not nearly good enough. We all understand that. But as valuable as even I thought James Harden was, and I'm a guy that's backed him strongly for MVP, not just this past year, but the last two years on this podcast here at Lockdown Rockets, to see what the offense looked like the past two games without James Harden was staggering. The two games before that, when there was no Chris Paul, the Rockets lost by three on the road, night two of a road back-to-back against the LA Clippers without Chris Paul, and then against a very good Utah team three nights later, They were within five with five minutes to go after being down 16 earlier in the second half because they scrapped, they clawed, James Harden made breathtaking plays offensively, and even defensively, he showed you, at least in the Utah game, there were some dominant sequences, well, dominant might be too strong, but there were some very capable sequences he showed you even against Donovan Mitchell. So, in lots of different ways, James Harden was the heartbeat of that team, and the results weren't there. Chris Paul's absence had a lot to do with it, so did James Ennis, who was out at the end of the Clipper game and all of the Utah game. But then to, to go from that, now the Rockets were struggling a lot overall, but to go from that, those two games that are largely competitive, to then just completely uncompetitive against the Clippers and then the Blazers, that shows you just how valuable James Harden is. And this game in Brooklyn tonight, 
Look, the Rockets' defensive effort was much improved. We've given them a lot of credit on that end. But even so, for them to score 119 points, look what it took. Now, they shot okay from three. 15 of 39 is a team, 30.5%. That's much more like it than what we've seen throughout a lot of this season. But Chris Paul had to shoot 27 times to get his 32 points. Carmelo Anthony had to have an ultimate throwback game, not just 28 points in 31 minutes, but on 9 of 12 shooting, 6 of 9 from behind the arc. That's what it took for the Rockets to get this win tonight. That's how small your margin of error is without James Harden. Eric Gordon, he still didn't make his threes, but overall 6 of 14 for 21 points. That's a pretty good game for him. That's how small your margin of error is without James Harden. So... For starters, that's why it's good to see that he returns Saturday. That's how important he is to this basketball team. But going forward, what these three games should tell you, these most recent three, even after Friday night's game, which the Rockets won, don't ever let anyone tell you that James Harden has too much help to get the praise that he's gotten as far as the MVP of the league and being considered as one of the all-time greats, especially offensively. Look, Chris Paul, Eric Gordon... Carmelo Anthony, they're quality players, and on a given night, offensively, any of them are capable of stepping up, but on a night-in, night-out basis, none of them is close to the type of guy that you can expect to carry the load the way James Harden can. So it's great that he's coming back because, quite frankly, if he weren't, I think the Rockets, even against a bad Bulls team, would likely be completely out of gas given the enormous workload that some of these stars had to go through Friday night just to get this win against the Nets. Hopefully, James Harden will be relatively fresh. Now, they probably will keep his minutes capped at about 30, I would guess. I doubt they, after watching how he, they brought him back last year from the grade 2 hamstring strain, this one not quite as severe, but between that, between James Ennis being limited 19 minutes tonight, I doubt the Rockets all of a sudden just push James back to 35-plus minutes. My guess, upper 20s, maybe low 30s if he's moving around really well. Not quite the normal minutes, but hopefully he looks spry and agile in those minutes and is capable of taking on a heavier load, because I think a lot of the Rockets, they had to work hard to get this win, and it's justified. The Rockets needed any win to start getting themselves closer to parity, closer to where they can at least be in the right mental frame of mind to make the adjustments they need to make to get back to the form we all expected them to be in entering this season. They're not all the way there yet. They're not even close. But at this point, it's not about so much the X's and O's. It's about fixing the mentality. It's about getting you in the right frame of mind to do what you need to do. That's what Friday night did. The Rockets had to work really hard for that to happen. Fortunately, James Harden returns Saturday night to relieve some of that burden and hopefully inject some fresh legs to get them both wins of this much-needed back-to-back. But beyond just the fact that he should help you tomorrow night, keep these three games in mind moving forward when you evaluate James Harden. If anyone tells you he has too much help to get the praise that he has gotten as far as being the MVP of the league and one of the league's all-time offensive greats, think back to this last week and a half. This is how valuable James Harden is. Don't forget it. And he should be back tomorrow, knock on wood. Uh, He should be healthy, and from there, hopefully the Rockets will be, at least start to be, the team that they were supposed to be in before this rocky start to the year. 1-5, but fortunately now 2-5 after Friday night's 119-111 win. So with that, we can leave off this finally happy post-game episode of Locked on Rockets. As always, I appreciate you for listening, and especially if you've tuned in for the past week, which I'm sure has been a bit of a bummer with how this basketball team has played. But hopefully now we're in the midst of a turnaround to where things will get a lot happier and we get closer to the form we all thought we had before the Rockets began this season a little over two weeks ago. 
So until our next show, which will be probably Sunday morning, I'm not anticipating two weekend night episodes, we'll do our second recap of the back-to-back Sunday morning. Until then, if you want more commentary, including in tomorrow night's game, the best place to get it is on Twitter. I'm on there, at Ben DuBose. The show is on there, at Lockdown Rockets. Also, don't forget, email address, LockdownRockets at gmail.com, website, LockdownRockets.com, Facebook account, Facebook.com, slash LockdownRockets. Always, you can access our prior content, ask me questions about the team, make inquiries about how to become a sponsor or advertiser, pretty much anything we can do to make this a better podcast for you, the Rockets fan, or even you, the human being. Don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, etc., etc., so on and so forth, please subscribe. That's how you get episodes right when they come out, even before I post it on Twitter. And in addition to subscribing, if you would be kind enough to leave us a five-star review, that's how we can look attractive to potential advertisers and keep the business model working here at Lockdown Rockets, the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. And beyond just checking out my podcast, if you go to any of those platforms that I just mentioned, you can also find other podcasts around the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, and College Sports, because we've got a great network of local experts across all these leagues here at the Lockdown Podcast Network here in Houston. That includes the Houston Texans and in the greater Houston area, the Texas A&M Aggies. Both of those teams on the gridiron have big games this weekend, Texas A&M and Auburn on Saturday, the Houston Texans and Denver Broncos on Sunday. So if you want to check out some insight on those teams, either previewing or recapping their games this weekend, check out Lockdown Texans and Lockdown Aggies, which you can find at the same place that you find Lockdown Rockets, Lockdown Texans, hosted by Robert Land and Brian Patterson, Lockdown Aggies, hosted by my friend Taylor Travis. Anyway, with plugs out of the way, that'll do it for Friday Night Show. Once again, a happy final from Brooklyn. Rockets 119, Nets 111. Rockets snapped the four-game losing streak, improved to 2-5 and five on the year. On that note, enjoy the rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend, and come back soon and check everything out here at Lockdown Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on Houston Rockets basketball.